The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. True light. We've got electricity, we've got candles, we've got sun, moon, stars, we've got all these sources of light around us. We can dim it for effect, we can put it up in dazzling glory, we can refine it into lasers so that we can do surgery on eyeballs. I don't think we've gotten to blasters yet, but I hear they're coming. I'm not looking forward to that necessarily, although it's fun on the movie screens. I don't know if in real life it would be all that much more fun. Lightsabers even. All of these forms of light, all of these occasions of life, light, they are derivative. They are part of this creation. They are temporal. They are confined. And they have a source. And the surprising thing about this entire season, and certainly this text, is that that source that source is a baby in a manger. There's any number of, of Christmas photographs. I, I texted one to Tristan Borner this morning. Christmas photographs and Christmas card photographs that, that have the, the scene of the nativity and the, the source of light is coming from the manger. Mary's face is aglow, Joseph standing so staid and and proud, and on the other hand, not quite sure what he should be doing, but illuminated from the babe in the manger. The shepherds have their faces lit up not by the stars above or by the angels even above, but because the light has its source from the child. There's a hymn that we sing at the transfiguration of our Lord that talks about Christ shining with unborrowed light. It's a good line. It's a good line for Christmas as well, especially if we're going to be reading John 1. It's a good reminder too, though, to remember what we talked about a few years ago now in verse 4. I've been working my way through this text over the course of several years. That what shines into the darkness is not just some, some mystical kind of godness of light. But in verse 4, he says, the life of Jesus was the light of man. 
You see, it, it's not just a, a luminescent glow that is there at the baby, but it is the step-by-step -step progress of God the Son through the course of his history from manger to cross to tomb to resurrection and ascension, which illuminates our understanding of who God is and how much our God loves this world and the people in it. See, and that's what opens our eyes. See, it's, it's not just that Jesus is a physical source of life. In fact, we could certainly affirm that from Genesis 1, even, let there be light. He, he said it, and it was so. The Word was active, right? But, but John takes us a step even beyond that, because when it comes to shaping our minds, when it comes to shaping how we're going to take in information from the people around us and the circumstances around us and the world around us and understand it from God's point of view, if we're going to be illuminated in that way, if our minds are going to function in alignment with the Holy Spirit and our hearts are going to reach out with the heart of Jesus Christ, it's going to be because his life has illuminated those minds and hearts that we will have been taught that we will have been taught and shaped by the baby who goes to a cross, who dies, rises, and ascends to the right hand of the throne of the Father, and who is now in charge, and who is saying what is and what isn't, who has determined what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil, and gives that back to us all as a gift. The wisdom in that life is the illuminating light that gives us wisdom, that helps us see and understand. And then, to be able to reinterpret back to the world what's really going on. <laughs> to, to share, not truth bombs, I don't know, truth hugs, is that the better way to go? To share the truth of God through Jesus Christ in his spirit because we have been infected by his life, that he has become contagious for us. Now, John doesn't use a, a medicinal or a therapeutic metaphor. He uses new birth, which is even better, honestly. You see, because God has adopted us through his true and only son into his family, not by means of procreation or even by the will of a man, but by God himself, by his very word. The work of God is to expand the family. The work of God is to bring sons and daughters alongside the Son. Alongside the Son by that very Word. And that work 
illuminates the darkness. There are challenges, though. What was played out in the life of Christ continues to be played out. And what do I mean by that? Well, circumstances, results, vary. <laughs> he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. And that keeps happening over and over again, doesn't it? It's a, it's a real grief. It's a, it's a real hardship. It's a real burden. That over and over again, in every generation, it seems that the most likely candidates for carrying the torch of the faith don't. And the strange and surprising and folks, I don't know, we wouldn't pick if we were doing it the way the world does it with multimedia campaigns and fantastic advertising and marvelous multimedia expansions and smoke machines or whatever else they do, God does it his way. He keeps picking Davids. He keeps picking the, the runts of the litter and setting them up alongside him and saying, this is what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. He lives it out in strange and marvelous ways. Ways that we would not have planned and ways that we would not have expected and terribly, terribly inefficient. Why the Lord binds himself to our mouths and our deeds for the sake of his witness in the world is absolutely beyond me. But he's done it. And so that's plan A. So here we are. <laughs> celebrating Christmas in his house, in his presence. Because he is our father and has become our brother. And so when it comes to family time, this is where family gathers around the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for all of us. But to all who do receive him, he gathers in. Giving the right is a strange translation. It's a good, it's fine. It's fine. But it doesn't capture, it, 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 it implies some sense of, I've still got a, a decision to make or something like that. Like I've got an option. I bought a future option that maybe I might exercise. No, it's, it's, it's giving the right of sonship. It's giving the right of an heir. It's giving you legal tender for being part of the family of God. It's bestowing it upon you as a gift. He gave rightness of being a child of God through baptism by faith in his promise because
because of Christ and powered by his spirit. Now John didn't put all that in there. But being a child of God is your second birthright. It is who you ultimately are because God said so at the baptismal pond. And when God says things, they are what they are. And so the very word of God that became flesh and dwelt among us speaks to each one of us and makes us one more image of him as he images the Father. But grace, what absolute love and grace to do this. What marvelous, marvelous grace to call us into faith, into this child who has done what none of us could do for ourselves. He has walked into death, his baby arms flailing and beaten back Satan, with the key of hell to close it off and the key of heaven to open it up invite his people home so that they can share with him a roaring fire and toasting marshmallows. Being born of the Spirit, being born of water and the Spirit in Christ is the gift that he celebrates. When we look to the light, we must never forgive, we must never forget the life that illuminates those hearts and minds so that that light can shine into the darkness truly. And we can speak of Jesus and so speak of our God absolutely authentically 